There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tan Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And I've got two of my favorite people on this episode. We've got a lot of ground to c- cover. If you guys have been paying attention, Guy and I have been um, doing these episodes to discuss some of the harder topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And and we're going to talk about them on this episode as we have in the past. So in in this particular episode, Guy from Western Contours. Guy, let me try your last name. Should I try your last name again? Or should no, I use your it, pronoun? Because you, you know put your pronoun in. Yeah. Uh, your yeah, mama's go dude. ahead. You can put. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't talk about don't talk about my pronoun I put in there, okay? So this, <laughs> this <laughs> So guys here and uh joining us, we guy and I've been talking about this for a long time. This would be uh, like a great combination, but Garrett Weaver from On Point Podcast who has been slaying animals all fall, making us all jealous, is on with us. And you guys know Garrett from a couple past episodes we've done. Um, Garrett and I have had a a couple of great conversations. And in fact, I I have in my possession, as a ransom, Garrett's DVD. It's it's (laughs) It's a drum movie. And it was lost for many months. I, I thought I had totally lost it, but I have it in my possession. I found it in the bottom of my closet in my hunting trailer. And uh, if if Garrett plays his cards right, I might send it back to him. Garrett, how you doing, brother? It, good, man. Good, man. And and you need to watch that movie. That's a good movie. If you like I know, drumming, dude. I, I don't have. I don't even have a DVD player right now because I'm living in trailers. <laughs> yeah. Anybody have a DVD player anymore? Somebody said, oh, no, we do. We do. We have actually, yeah, yeah. my girls set one up in the, in the wall tent. So I could probably go over there and watch it. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in the sticks, man. So you can't stream. I, I will. I will be able to soon, dude. I got Starlink from, so Elon Musk is going to save my ass. He'll be able to <laughs> do some better, uh, better stuff, I guess with uh, better internet. So as soon as it shows up, so guys, I, I'm super excited to have you on. Guy, this is like a uh, a continuing uh, compilation, or or uh, what do you call that when we're when we like you know team up on something? There's there's a word for it, and I'm I'm totally blank because I I drank an entire whiskey while Based waiting to get pronoun. this thing ready. Based on my pronoun, it'd be tag team. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man we're in trouble tonight this is is gonna be an absolute s show bro (laughs) it might man i i'm in the mood i'm in the mood i i uh like i said i the whiskey's flowing i might get fucked up 
Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm into the vodka, so we're good. And then you know Garrett Garrett has inspired me with his other his other podcast. So and he's actually going to be the mellow one now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be right, Garrett. I, what what are you drinking, tonight, man? Just, um, you, recovery you just, from the gym. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you just you just got out of the gym, so I mean you, yeah. you might you might not want to be drinking tonight. Yeah, you know I I um on my on my. New podcast. I, I want you to tell people what it is because if I don't want people to listen to it, but uh, three. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, God, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Text it to if me. If you're dude. easily offended, you, you, you. Okay, because Garrett is is tempering this, right? If you are easily offended, if you don't want to hear profanity or stereotypes or yeah, anything that is not politically correct, do not listen to that podcast. But if you do not God. give an f. Tune into yeah. three man. It is worth your time. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that, we, that uh, is enticing. I like it. That. Well, I mean, it's 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 uh it's like a rocket ship right now. It has like a hundred downloads. So <laughs> we just started it. We just started it, and um and it's me and a couple buddies getting hammered on Friday nights, and um literally just we don't necessarily believe what's coming out of our mouth. We're just saying whatever we think is funny. And so, you know, I mean, I, I know guy and I have the same sense of humor, so I shared it with him and, and he thought it was pretty funny, but yeah. Yeah. So dude, I'm kind of offended. You didn't share it with me. You'd share it with guy. He's a Californian <laughs> and, and, and well, you won't share with this me. stuff. The man who drinks <laughs> the Trulies. I'll send, I'll send you a link <laughs> over there. But, uh, but if, if I, if I get a, you son of a, at the end of the text message, I, I, I understand you won't, you won't, man. Uh, you know what, you know what I like about you guys. And, and this goes for both of you. Cause I, I listen to both of your podcasts and guy, obviously we've, we've done a ton of shows together. The, the thing that, that comes out of this and, and this is true to um, the point of which I get a lot of messages back from, from listeners that it, it kind of solidifies what I'm saying is we have authentic com- conversations. The, this is not watered down so that we're, you know, diplomatically dipping our toes into an area that we need to be careful about what we're talking about. We're not politically correct about it. It's not it's not like we're trying to reach the masses of people of the woke culture that might cancel us for saying some of the shit that we say. It's just an authentic conversation of of what we see in terms of the future of hunting, where we stand as hunters and what we need to do to protect it in the future. And and these, these conversations are freaking important to have. And I'm sick of people and brands and companies pussyfooting around some of these issues that, that we talk about. And, and so that's what I really like about having you guys on, uh, both of you, because we, I think there's a lot to be said for being honest about how we feel about things. And I think that that's going to have a stronger message to people listening, because I think that people listening want to hear that kind of shit. They don't want to hear this pussyfoot and diplomatic bullshit. And part, obviously if you guys are listening, uh, I I'm on my a game when, when I, you know, with the cuss (laughs) words tonight. So I apologize for that, but I do mark these episodes explicit. I don't know if guy or Garrett releases this, that you guys better make sure you mark it. Mine stays marked, bro. (laughs) Me too. I I don't think I need to explain to my, my audience cuss words at this point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think, I don't think you guys need like a big long introduction either. 
uh, Guy uh, Duplanchet with Western Contours Podcast. My uh, one of my favorite peeps out of California, and uh, I you, can't bro. wait. Um, one day, well, I think I think this is true. All three of us, we might we might have to add. Um, we might have to add Joe from Elk Bros into this, but we're we're all gonna we're all gonna get together and go on a hunt at one point. So, guy, uh, welcome to the show, Garrett on Point Thanks, Podcast. Brother. He's been on the show before. He's a fellow drummer. We're all three uh, uh, musicians. I have a very deviant photo of Guy from his band days, and uh, I love it. <laughs> Nothing deviant about that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? Well, there's a lot. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, right? And 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 I I just want to kind of coattail on what you were saying, right? And and yeah, I appreciate everybody listening to these episodes, especially if you find value in them. And one of my favorite things about these episodes is that it's at this point it's been you know Jim and I, Jim and Joe and I, and now you know Garrett, and and it's three different perspectives, right? So we have these three different outlooks. None of this is talked about prior. When we reached out to Garrett, I said, hey, this would be a great conversation to have with Garrett, but there's no bullet points. There's no script. So you're hearing this stuff as we talk about it. And and I think that's important um, to get our different perspectives on it and share that. And, and hopefully people, you know, relate to one of us <laughs> and, and <laughs> find some seriousness in all the in all the jokes and all the banter back and forth. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. everyone listening and thank you both for the time. That's a great point. Yeah. Man. And, you know, I, I think we're, we, we may have different perspectives, but we're all on the same page here. Cause I think we all think pretty, pretty damn similar. And, and, um, you know, I think we can all dish it out and take, take it as well. And, and so I, 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 I think you guys are a perfect group to have this, this talk with or whatever we're going to talk about with. Cause I'm not afraid of offending you guys. And I'm hope you guys are afraid of offending me. Cause you know, I mean, I, I, I did a Instagram thing today and, and I'm like, just thinking I'm just, I'm just stirring the pot on my own platform. I, Cause I was, I was talking shit about the Ashby guys. And then I was talking shit about mechanicals. And I'm like, if I can't do this and have fun and then just throw jabs at everybody, I mean, what, what are we doing here? Because we, we should be able to be friends enough with all different kinds of communities and not have to worry about offending everybody, but be able to come together on the same page when California or Arizona or Colorado or Oregon or Washington are all making these really dumbass decisions. We should be able to to come together, you know. And 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 um, in even the the Hound Bill that got voted down here recently, you know that that got a lot of attention. And so, yeah, um, I I just I I preach unity, but I also talk a lot of shit. And so, you know, it's it's that's what I think we sh- we need to, we need to get all get on the same page. And I, I think that's what's coming out of my head right now is just like, man, I'm getting all tired of this heavy arrow, light arrow, blue team, red team, trad versus crossbow versus crossbow versus everybody. Cause everybody hates crossbows. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and, um, it just, it's just, you know, and that's a joke people. Um, uh, but we should all be able to come together, have a good time and then be able to vote the same way when it's, when it's time and be able to show up when Colorado is making dumb decisions. You know, I, I may someday want to hunt in Colorado and that is a domino effect. Whatever California does, typically Washington does. And then typically Oregon does. It's kind of almost in that way, whether it's hunting OSHA regulations, whatever you want to call it. So 
just because it's not my state doesn't mean it's not going to happen to my state. We need all, we all need to be on the same page. Yeah, man, that, so that's that, some really good stuff. Both of you guys just threw down. I, I love it. And I couldn't agree more with just the, the overall message. I, and Garrett, what I, I kind of want to drive home what you talked about. It's, it's okay to have a fun rivalry between us, right? I mean, we all have a rivalry and what I, I always put it like this, like, like I was in the military and it's always this fun thing to, for, for Marines to talk shit about army guys or sailors or air force guys and, and, and vice versa. You know, uh, my, my, my buddy, Rudy, he's always, he's always throwing shade about how Marines eat crayons, you know, and, and because we're so <laughs> dumb and, and I love it. But the, but deep down between military guys, we all have a very deep respect for each other. Right. And, and hunters, they're, they're, there's no reason to not have that same concept and that same mindset with each other. Like it's okay to give somebody with a, with a crossbow a hard time and they can give us a, a hard time about something and, and, and just not understand or, or I'm sorry, and still understand that when we're talking about hunting and I don't care if somebody is a first year hunter or if they've been doing this for 60 years, the goal is the same. And I say this all the time. The goal is the same. We want the adventure, we want the meat in the freezer, and we want the memory for life. Those are the three things that drive all hunters. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode with with a specific kind of, um, I don't know, uh, adventure down a new road of, of non-resident hunting because cause we all do that, right? And we want to we wanna talk about because there's a lot of contention around that. Um, <laughs> and so, so we're going to dive into that and we're going to dive into all sorts of, you know, whatever rabbit hole we, we go down tonight. I don't, I don't care. Like I said, it, when whiskey's flowing and, and guy's got his vodka, what kind of vodka do you drink, guy? Oh, what is this one? This one's Ciroc. I don't even know that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's some fancy. I don't like the, the Tito's shit. is what everybody likes. I don't know if it's fancy, bro. It's just, I mean, it's like a know, $25 <laughs> bottle of vodka. <laughs> what do you mix it with? Do you mix it with anything or is it just straight vodka? Uh, there was nothing really in there. I just grabbed some of my wife's orange juice and made a screwdriver. And yeah, we're filling There you good. go. There you go. I like it, brother. Um, <laughs> let's, so, oh, go I, ahead. Can go I touch ahead. on something yeah, you were talking it, about? Yeah. You know, so, so you, you bring up the respect and we should be able to do that. Right. But, but I feel like at least from what I see a lot is that hunters forget that there's that commonality, right? We, we are so ready to jump a guy's ass and be, and dig our heels in and be so steadfast in you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's my way or the highway type attitude. Where the, where does that stem from? Right. Where, where did we lose the sight of those main three things. It's just very, very curious to me. And it's very off putting to me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I want to start this by asking you guys and guys, since you, you were talking about that, let's, let's start with you, but what do you see as the main threat to the future of hunting? Our divides are uh, the, 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 Oh shit, man. I, okay. The main threat, <laughs> can I list them? Right. We're <laughs> complacent. We're apathetic. We are tribalistic when it comes to, you know, the, the, the branches of our demographic. Um, 
that that would be in my head the the main three. Um, but I think the apathy and the arrogance that this is a right and will always have the right to do this and not step up when it's time to fight and, and come together like Garrett was talking about, I think that's going to be our downfall. I mean, it's already apparent to me that that we're going down that path. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 cards are starting to fall with that. Garrett, what about you, man? Yeah. Um, you know, I I think the word that guy was was describing there is infighting and and if we if we just keep doing that, you know, and I use this example all the time, you know, the thing that anti-hunting groups have in common, they don't have the infighting. They don't have red team, blue team and say, "You know what? I think deer are just a little bit more special than cougars." And and, and no, fuck you. Black bears are way better than elk. No, they don't have those. They hate hunting. They, they are unified. They all believe that hunting should be banned. They're whatever you want to call them, what demographic, vegan, vegetarian, just anti-hunters, whatever they may be, they're unified. We aren't. We are in so many different teams in so many different little echo chambers and bubbles and we're all infighting and, and mechanicals are awesome. No, they're gay. And, and it's just, dude. It's just like, come on, we like back in 94, when we outlawed hound hunting, um, even a lot of the, in, in Oregon, um, for bears and cougars, that was one of the biggest hits. Not, the early nineties was some of the worst, that was probably the worst five years for hunting and conservation in the Western United States ever, in my opinion, because you had wolves, you had all this other stuff happening. Yeah. And in Oregon, it was, um, it was a bill that down, that got rid of um, bear hunting um, and cougar hunting with hounds, and you know certain organizations in Oregon were silent. They were gone. They they you know some people didn't like trapping. Some people didn't like hound hunting, and that they got voted away. And if we were all on the same page, I would I would highly anticipate that would not have happened. Oregon was much more. Um, less liberal back then than it is now. And, yeah. and the, the threat is, get, is growing. It's not decreasing. You know, Oregon is so far off the freaking handle with California and Washington and what they're passing. You know, um, this stuff isn't going to go away. It's not going to get better. And, you know, I think we all did uh, episodes with Hal Org or Hal for Wildlife. Yep. And uh, I think that's probably going to be one of the most valuable uh, tools that we have and, um, it's free, it's free. And so, you know, we all did our part by having, you know, whoever representative on to talk about that. And, and that is just, it literally, I mean, guys post where it's like, it literally takes less than a minute people. <laughs> I mean, it did. you're scrolling it on Instagram for an hour a day or Facebook and you're getting lost in TikTok. And if you freaking are on TikTok, you probably shoot a crossbow and, um, <laughs> you know, it just, <laughs> joke, people send, send the messages to guy and um it just you know it just i mean the point's already been driven home there i think and and um if, if you don't start caring for other states or for your state you're going to be the guy saying share 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 when it when it bothers you or it affects you well um this is going to affect you and it can happen very quickly i mean oregon right now has a bill IP 13, I think it is. 
Yeah. Um, and that is the craziest bill out of all the bills I've ever seen. That is the craziest shit I have ever is that seen the one, in a bill. And is, is that the one where they're like, okay, we're we're gonna do away with any kind of farming, any kind of hunting, any kind of meat eating, any meat that is consumed yeah. in the state of order or Oregon has to be like shipped in from other states kind of thing. Uh yeah, that yeah. that is just that is nuts. And I, I want to comment on that for a minute. Because what, in my mind, what, what that, if it is IP 13, is that what it is? IP 13? I, I don't have my other com- yes. computer um, screen pulled up. I believe it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm, it is. I'm worried about messing up the internet here, so I don't have it pulled up. But anyway, on, on that, that I, I'm glad you brought that up, Garrett, because what, what that is in my mind is, is an extremist organization putting forward an extremist agenda to kind of knock the shock value up. Uh, for people to right. kind of get accustomed to that kind of proposition so that it's in, in, you know, two, three, four, five years from now, that kind of proposal is not so shocking to the general public. And so, yeah, you're probably right. I, I that's, I don't know. I, I read through it and, and to us, to, to guys like us, that, that is crazy. That, that's just crazy. Like, give me a break. But you couldn't even neuter your dog. You, yeah, you can't yeah. even neuter your dog. You can't artificially inseminate a horse. Uh, you can't, you know, and, and right. Oregon is one of those states that is heavily um, not thought of when, when we're talking about our farmers and ranchers and, and that community and horse breeders and, and ag- the, the agricultural front where it's very strong in Oregon. Like I spent a lot of time in Oregon for my day job and, and the agriculture and that lifestyle and that small town or, or rural at- atmosphere is, is very prevalent in these parts of Oregon. It's the craziness that comes out of Portland. And it's the same with, you know, Washington or um, California, you know, California has its little hot spots where they're, they're the minority, but no. they're the loudest, right? <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, let's see. The the problem is, is look at the population, right? I mean, in, in California, yeah, you go up Central Coast or whatever, and it, and it opens up a bit. But I mean, generally speaking, our population it's it's probably quadruple Oregon easy. Oh, for uh, sure, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's you know what I mean. I don't know and, how. And just to correct Garrett. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me just to correct Garrett. People spend one hundred and forty five minutes per day, so almost two and a half hours. <laughs> On social media. So yeah, yeah. for, for hunters or, or outdoors folk to take three minutes of their time out of 145 minutes, you know, on an average to get on the howl and take action, man, is a, is a small, small ask. It's such a small ask. Yeah. And, Sorry, and look what Washington's doing too. They're passing some serious anti second amendment um, bills. And, and I'm not sure if it already went through. Um, or if it is being voted on now, but it is way too far in the process for us just to be finding out about this. Yep. It's just like, you know, IP 13, it, it's just an infant still. However, we're very aware and we're already like OHA, the board I'm on already wrote letters. Um, all the OHA bank or uh, um, factions, chapters, there it is the word, chapters are all writing letters to news organizations and, and papers and trying to get the word out there. Hey, this is real. And if we don't treat it like we didn't treat um, or like we treated, you know, measure 94, which I think is in the measure 94, which in 94, 95 banned hound hunting, you know, this crazy shit could happen. I mean, 
we passed mushrooms in Oregon. <laughs> I mean, we basically decriminalized meth and heroin and all that stuff and made it more um, of a slap on the wrist. Literally give us your whatever. And if you have a certain amount, we're not even going to arrest you. Hardcore drugs is legal in Oregon now. Like yeah. it is insane what, what can get passed if people don't understand um, what is get, what is getting either promoted or passed like, or, or voted on really. I mean, and a lot of these bills, um, somebody in the, in the legislature should, should make some sort of bill that says, basically you can't false advertise your bill. You can't name the bill. It's all for the children or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then have it be yep. whatever, you know, like there's a lot of that that goes on too. Um, too much of that. And it just, you know, all, all that, I mean, politics just annoys the living crap out of me. I've, I've met politicians, I've talked to them. Um, and, and even the ones that I agree with, I still don't like, um, yep, they're just, too. they're, I don't know, man, I, they're just greasy douchebags and, and it, <laughs> for 99% of them. No, you know? it's I mean, so they, true, and man. hundred percent serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I mean, true. I'm trying to, it's so true. Like it, I'm looking up on the, uh, what was that guy? Go ahead, buddy. Sorry. Oh. No, I was looking up on IP13 um, because I think it needed a thousand signatures um, to hit the floor and then another hundred and I want to say it was a hundred and twenty thousand. And I was actually on with some gentlemen last night and, and Mark said how many they had. And it's scary close to the number. I know. Yeah, um, I was I was monitoring it when it group. first came out and I I. I I'll be honest. I was alarmed, but they, they can, they can cover three city blocks in the city of Portland and get a shitload of signatures for something like that. Where where if you, when you talk about geographically spread throughout the state, that's not symbol symbolic of, of what the people uh, of Oregon believe. And, and it's, it's the same with when you're talking about like a, you know, the system to elect a president with the electoral college and, and people that gripe about that, what, what they don't understand is what, what the founding fathers were doing there was preventing the group think mentality from taking over the rest of the country. And, and so this is what's going on in Oregon. And, and you've, you can you can walk down three city blocks in Oregon or in, I'm sorry, in Portland um, and, and, and mm-hmm. garner enough signatures to get a petition onto the onto the Senate floor of the house. And, and it's just, it's very hard to, to drive that. your point home to drive your point home. This is, this is tongue in cheek, but this is real. There was a YouTube video and it was just driving a point home that people just signed shit mm-hmm. and it was end women's suffrage. Do you remember? Do oh you yeah. That YouTube I, I, I video saw that these one. Guys? Yeah, it was great. And, yeah. And, and there, and, and it, it wasn't what you thought. You thought you were helping women's rights out, but it was, it was actually, a, a petition to take them away. And it was a joke, but it was showing this is, this is how shit gets passed. This is how stuff gets onto the floor. And you just thought you were helping women's rights yeah. out, but cause the name of it, you, you're, you're stripping them of their voting rights. If you sign this, you know, and that's basically, it was a joke. It was a prank, but there was a lot of, a lot of truth in that. And I just think that goes on to this day, maybe to not to that degree, but there's a lot of smokes and mirrors and people that, that, you know, God bless America. Anybody can vote, but damn, that also sucks at the same time yeah. because people are voting about shit. They have no idea and aren't even qualified to even really have an opinion. It, it I mean, highlights really, I don't vote. That, that's, yes. that's such a good way to, to discuss the fact that it highlights the wrongs of our society in a, in a, in a way that people 
are so uninterested in their own future and their country's future and, and their and their community's future. They're so uninterested and so self uh, self absorbed. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. That that's that's what their focus is. So some random individual can walk up to you and say, "Hey, I've got a petition right. for IP13. It's going to save the bears." When really, what what the what the truth between or behind IP13 is is the ludicrous right. uh, suggestion that the way we as humans behave is wrong. And so, before I go further, I I want to answer. I want to answer the question that I asked asked you guys, and and that that was, what is the biggest threat to hunting? What what is going to be the downfall of hunting? And because we're all we're all hunters, right? We're all yeah. th- this is a hunting podcast. Your podcast, Garrett's podcast, my podcast, uh, guys' podcast. We're all hunters. That, that's the point behind of what we do, and that's that's our passion. It's very emotionally driven. It's very fact driven. It's very. Um, it's, it's what makes us who we are as in terms of, uh, what we consider identifiers as humans. And, and I think that one thing that is important to acknowledge, I, I guess, in a way to answer that question is what is the downfall to the future of hunting in my mind is anti hunters. It is anti hunters. And how are they going to achieve that? They're going to achieve it by dividing hunters, breaking us down into segmented uh, societal breakdowns throughout, you know, d- depending on whether you're in Arizona or Portland, Oregon, or where I'm at in Idaho or Montana, right. they're going to break that down and they're going to chew it apart bit by bit. They're not taking the, the whole elephant and putting it in their mouth, right? They're, they're, they're taking it a bite at a time, which this, this is how you take down an elephant. And, and, and that is our biggest threat. Anti-hunters are our biggest threat. But it's the weaponry that they use against us and the propagated messaging that they put against the people that don't know anything about hunting because they're not anti-hunters or they're not pro-hunters. They're not hunters. They're just a general populace. And they're going to take that. I'd say those guys are our biggest threat, the uneducated, because oh, the, you have a faction of, of anti-hunters. And I've talked about this, too. You have 95 or 97 percent of the population, wherever you want to look, that eats meat. And then only about 15% of those actually hunt. And so that leaves you a giant chunk that the antis and the hunters are all fighting over. And what, what's going to happen is, is whoever gets their message out better and hunters are really garbage to this. Um, that's, that's who's going to win the vote. I mean, people don't want animals to die. I don't want animals to die. I don't, I don't want bears to eat fawns and I don't want bears to eat other bears. I mean, who wants that? I mean, who really does want yeah. that? I mean, yeah. I don't, but life eats life life takes life and we are part of the food chain and we have to be able to say hey you know like in logging i deal with this crap all the time i I work for a very political um company that that is pro logging and that's what we do a lot of it and we have to use semantics a lot you know like sustainable forestry well i took that and i started saying sustainable hunting. We're using sustainable hunting practices. We are, we are making sure that we're meeting today's needs without compromising future generations to meet their needs. That's what we're doing. And, and if you let us do that, we can, we can, we can, we can follow through and make that happen. But if you're going to take the tools away and take us out of the woods, you're going to eliminate Mm -hmm. that. And, and getting those messages out there is, is to the uneducated, the ones that make emotional based decisions instead of 
science-based decisions. That's that's the biggest threat. And and the ones stoking the fire, Jim, are the ones you're talking about, the anti-hunters. Those are the ones that are just just pouring, pouring gas on it and just letting everybody who's un- uneducated in these areas come to their own conclusions or just follow what they see. The the wolf's saved Yellowstone horse shit is, is one of the, that, that's a great example. I mean, that's a great example. It's such a good example. That's a video that, that was done. It, that, that video is such yeah. propaganda. It's, it's so not based in it fact and, and, and the, and the realities on the ground in Yellowstone are not consistent with what that video portrays. Um, no. And so one of the things that we talked about coming on to this episode is I, I think we all agree that the, our, our biggest threat is the is the way that the anti-hunting messaging is is going to uh, take advantage of our infighting, right? The, our divisiveness, because mm-hmm. hunters are passionate people. Obviously, when, when you look at when you look at like um, other hobbies, let's let's take a look at other hobbies. There's not nearly as many podcasts for bottle cap collecting as there is for hunting, right? <laughs> I, I mean, hunting mm-hmm. is a passionate thing. We, we, and a lot of people talk about, um, and I actually just wrote about this, but a lot of people talk about how anti-hunters are very emotionally charged and their, their feelings are based in emotion and not science. And that only scratches the surface because hunting is based in a lot of emotion. Granted, we have mm-hmm. a lot of science that backs up what we want to do and what we want to achieve and how, how our wildlife is managed. But it's a shallow argument that, that really needs a lot more depth to to really understand the capacity of the multiple layers that are involved in hunting. It's a very emotional thing. We're very passionate. There, we're, you're talking to three dudes that love hunting that started podcasts to talk about hunting, right? All right. of that to say right. is one of the things that uh, ends up dividing us in in this in this whole emotionally driven thing called hunting. That is, um, you know, we, we probably out of any group, cause I'm in a lot of different types of groups on like say Facebook hunting is the most divisive. There's, there's more nastiness coming out of the hunting groups than any other group that I'm in. One of the things that comes out mm-hmm. of that is the non-resident issue and, and how people fight. And, and I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of this. I do get sick of seeing non-residents show up in some of my units and I get, Sick of seeing hunters complain about non-residents showing up in their units because I don't know, to me, it's, it's easy to get away from people like, like just go further. It's just, it chaps my ass that I have to go further. I think is, is what the problem is. So no big deal. It's, it's workable, but this is something that, that guy and I were talking about that Mm -hmm. we felt like Garrett, you, because you travel a lot to hunt, this would be a good topic to hammer home. Um, and guy, you want to kick us off with like your thoughts on on the non-resident hunter, what the the divisiveness that it that it creates, and why it's wrong. Make sense? Oh, okay. The across the board on on what you were talking about, right? The if we're talking the anti-hunters, you know that divisiveness, those divides, that tribalism, they are grabbing that, right? They are watching us. They are going onto our platforms in our forums and taking what we're doing to each other and using that. And you had said that they divide us. No, we divide us. We just give them the fuel for their fire. And and that, it, it just drives me crazy. And it's like, we, we know what they're capable of. We know what they're doing, but yet here we are 
in my opinion, being arrogant about our displays and acting like we're untouchable. Um, and again, it's, it's catching up on us. Um, the guy, can I ask you something about that? Non-resident. Yeah. When you, when you talk about the mentality that hunters are untouchable, um, I, I want you to, can you, can you like expand on that particular point? Because I think that you brought up something that a lot of us, including me, don't think about. Because, you know, we've been hunting all our life. We act like this is just something that's just always going to be there. And so we have this untouchable perspective or, or uh, analysis of our mm-hmm. lifestyle. And and perhaps it's it's a weak point. Can you expand on it? It is. Yeah. So, I mean, very simply, right? And all of us, I'm, I'm sure at some point have said, I'm doing X for the future generations of what I love mm-hmm. to do. In the last two years at least for myself, I've looked at it. And in the last year, it's been scary. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. That was a flawed outlook because I should have been fighting for my opportunities this entire time. And I think what happens is we we neglect the things that are right in front of us. And we put this this little tiny effort forth because that sounds really good to us. Right to fight mm-hmm. for the future generations. Yeah. So it, now it's a look good, at it. It's a good right. We're throwing blows. Yeah, we're th- and it's just like everything else, right? We don't want to argue about hunting. I'm feeding my family, right? That that's the stance we take. It's short. It's abrupt. It's done. It's over with, and we don't address the issue at hand, right? And and I'm sure we've all Garrett's nodding his head. Yeah, you know we've all been guilty of that, and. To think in the last year, shoot, not even the last year, think about the last six weeks, how much we've seen come down the pike in terms of bill, assembly bills, Senate bills, uh, petitions to ban some form of hunting for us, right? That, that stuff is all, it's all calculated and they know our flaws because they're in the forums and everything else. They're attacking us right now. If you look at predators, right? <clears throat> when you go on Instagram, Facebook, who who's the least represented demographic in terms of prey animals, right? Or what we're chasing. In my opinion, it's predators. The predator guys are a smaller demographic, right? Just like the houndsmen. It's a smaller demographic. Let's attack the smaller demographic. Let's isolate them. Let's hit them in every way, shape or form across the country, pull them out of the conversation and then now we can go after the deer guys, the elk guys, the antelope yeah. guys. We've pulled the predator guys out. They don't want to support the ungulate guys because those guys didn't get their back when they were losing their opportunity. They're, they're just, I mean, dude, it's like sniper shots. I mean, you don't know where it's coming from and, and we're oblivious to their approach. Sure. And I don't know if I answered your question because my head starts, you know, I mean, it's like it almost sounds foil hat-ish when you when you when you talk about it. But when you look at how calculated it really is, you can't help but to go, oh, this is people get pissed off at me. They are really, really good, borderline amazing at what they do. Who who are you talking about? The anti-hunting so I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah. The, the antis. Yeah. Look at yeah. No, that that's that's a fair they point, are, man. They are great at we, what we, they do. We talk about that a lot. Um, <laughs> and and I think what gets missed is what what people don't understand is 
I well, I'll give you a great example. I was I was reading this thread on I don't know what social media platform, whatever, and people were were bitching about the amount of money that the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was able to raise versus what they were spending on this and what they were spending on that, and you know, regardless of how you feel about a particular organization, if you break down the financial revenue uh, of, of like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, you know, what they do on an annual revenue basis. And you compare that to like the Humane Society of the United States, dude, it's fucking, it, it'll scare you. Like there, there's no comparison. Yeah. You can't compare the amount of money. If you were to, if you were to add up the amount of money that pro hunting organizations, such as the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or the, or the Mule Deer uh, Foundation, or, you know, in my neck of the woods, we have the, the F4WM um, Foundation and, and, and all these other, other groups that are pro-hunting. It doesn't touch the Humane Society of the United States. And what's even scarier is it's hard to even scratch the surface of what the, the, the kind of money is um, being raised by, by some uncredible group like PETA. Let, let me shut my camera off, guys. I'm sorry. I lose... How do I do that? Oh, right there. So uh, just those of you guys listening, I uh, live in the forest. My internet sucks. So um, I don't know what to do. Uh, So sorry if I was cutting out there, but um, I feel like I made a really relevant point. (laughs) Maybe I didn't. I hope you did, man, because this vodka has me wondering if I. (laughs) You're the only one not drinking, dude. You better chime in at some point here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are, you guys are making great points and, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if piggybacking off of what you guys said is already worth it. I think you guys already covered it. I mean, if you wanted to, um, cover a different, um, direction, I'd be happy well, to take the ball, Garrett, but I think you guys pretty much, I, I got, I got one for you, yeah. dude. Um, you, you spent a lot of time okay. this year traveling to a different state to hunt. Can you tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. the experience, maybe some of the, um, reactions you mm-hmm. may have gotten, animosity, whatever, because you're a non-resident. I heard, I heard you came to Idaho to hunt a mule deer and I was coming down there. I was looking around. I was trying to find your truck so I could, I could pop your tires, uh, and, and let you know (laughs) you're not welcome in Idaho, blah, blah, blah. You know, tell us a little bit about that. So Idaho has been over and above friendly. Uh, to me with an Oregon license plate. That's because I wasn't have, there. You guys, the folks that I've ran into are fantastic. Um, I run into a lot of dinglings out there with other license plates outside of Idaho. And, and um, you know, I, and the guy's going to be like, what the fuck? But so I, I came, long story short, I came, I came across one guy this year and I was out of state. I was an out of, out of state hunter myself. And, um, I'd been there for six or seven days. This was the day before I shot my forky and, um, Dude, that was a big forky though. <laughs> and he parks, he was, he was all right. He was probably more photogenic than what he was, what he was. But after, after seven days to get my ass kicked, I was ready to go. <laughs> and, um, and so there's, there's these two gates that we, we camp about a quarter of a mile to a half a mile from, and you know, you park there. And this little pullout in front of the gates, and there's not really anywhere else to, to to park. You can't park on the road in case of an emergency. You can't park anywhere else. So there's a big parking area at one of the gates, which is only about 150 yards from the other gate. 
and there's one tiny little parking spot next to the other gate that one guy can fit in. Okay. That dude shows up and pitches a freaking tent and a camping spot and the one pullout spot right there. And I'm like, dude, how inconsiderate, like what kind of fucking asshole does that? Like maybe you don't know any better, but that was pretty much a dick move. And I didn't say anything, but, and this is where I said, guys, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, probably a fucking Californian who drove all the way up here. He's probably and, guys, you know, neighbor. cause there's a lot of them where I hunt. <laughs> Guy probably told him to do it. I sent him. And, <laughs> and, um, and so long story short, um, there's a lot of Californians that, that like the area that I hunt and a lot of out of state guys. And there's, there's a few, um, local guys that hunt it. But so my mind of immediately goes to like, dude, I just talked to two Californians this morning. This guy's probably from California. And so I'm driving out. I'm happy or, you know, like I, I don't know if this is the day I shot my bike. It doesn't really matter, but I'm, I'm driving out and, uh, I'm like talking to my stepdad. I'm like, look at this guy. And they're like, watch, watch his license plate. Keep pulling forward, Oregon. Oh, I was no. like, oh shoot! I just got, I just shot all over that guy, dude. And hey, for the re- for the records, you guys ain't that far off, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, no, Salem and Portland. <laughs> we are closer than what we know, and 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 so you know, to me, that was a gut check and a men- mentality check. First of all, who, why does it matter where he's from? He's there. Second of all. If he had an Idaho license plate, I still would have been pissed because it just was a dick move. And so my, you know what, I, I heard this many, many years ago um, and, and it really stuck with me. And I'll ask you guys this. Do you guys know assholes that are really poor? They're just dicks, but they have no money yep. at all. Probably. Yes. Yep. Do you know assholes that are rich? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can we agree that being an asshole is a personality trait? Not a where you come from or how much you have trait. Totally. We're going to find them wherever we go. I find That's good. assholes. And I, I mean, I've ran into some douchebags and in, in I know don't let me get you wrong. I've, I've wanted to chew some guys out two miles deep for following me in and then busting the whole Canyon out on purpose. Like I've had that happen. It can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter where your demographic is. It's just a personality trait. And until we until we start realizing it doesn't matter what your license plate is or or this or that, um, that's just a, that's just another way to divide to divide us. And I was doing it to myself. I was getting myself all amped up, and and I had to you know I had to check myself on that. I'm like, you know what, I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong. I'm the asshole in this because I was jumping to a bunch of conclusions, and instead of maybe going up to the guy and saying, hey, I don't know if you knew this, this is the spot where people park and not camp. Um, uh, you know, you can make your own decision from there, but you might have other people pop on your tires and I'd hate to yeah. see that happen. Like that, that might've been the route to go, but you know, it, it just, I, I was the out of state hunter this year in two different States. And I'm always like, God dang it. Like, I wonder if I could find a Idaho license plate or a, or a, <laughs> I'll mail you one dude. Plate, you know, so I, I, I want to hammer home something you yeah. said there, Garrett, because I, I think it's important for people to recognize you know how they have that like alcoholics anonymous uh, anonymous geez apparently i drank enough whiskey that I, maybe i should go to that um the aa <laughs> thing or whatever and they're and they're like um oh the first thing you got to do is you gotta you gotta acknowledge that there's a problem you gotta you know whatever 
the, right. This is the same kind of thing because what you, what you were just talking about with you know some sometimes there's there's poor people that are assholes, there's middle class people that are assholes, there's there's rich people that are assholes, and I will tell you that in the unit that I hunt elk, which is in Idaho, is uh, it, it was probably more crowded than I've ever seen it. Um, over the year. Well, it's not probably, it was, it was definitely more crowded than I've ever seen it. And I think that what was going on is there are a lot of rifle hunters that are, you know, enthusiastic about getting into archery elk hunting in September. And the problem was, is they weren't shifting the, um, I don't know if you want to call it philosophy or strategy or whatever, how you, how you hunt elk with a, with a bow versus how you hunt with a rifle. Uh, and, and that's something that's important. The point being is there were these dudes up there um, three, four hundred yards up the side of a drainage that we're talking, you know, six, seven hundred, eight hundred feet elevation gain up on a dirt road sitting on a four wheeler bugling down because they could hear me having an interaction with a bull. Right. And so they're. With the bull yeah. runner running. And so they're trying to call this bull, which was a one of those super deep, you know, growly motherfuckers that just, you know, it, it gets you all sorts of excited and amped up and whatnot. Um, thinking that they're gonna they're gonna call that wise old bull right up to the road, and all they have to do is kill it and drop it in the back of the truck. Come to find out these were Idahoans. These these were not Californians, these weren't <laughs> People from Washington, because one of my big yeah. things is is we get inundated right here in the panhandle of, uh, of Idaho from Washingtonians. There's a there's a lot of folks in Washington that want to come over to, mm. to Idaho because we're so close. Right. And they, they pop over to the panhandle and they get their elk tag. And um, my issue isn't that my issue is they all come over here and camp and take up all our spots on the river. Um, and <laughs> anyway, the point being is I think that yeah. translates to hunting season. Sorry. Hang on. Okay. That translates to hunting season and I get, I get fired up. Oh man. You know, somebody out of States in my spot. But the problem is that the issues that I ran into, and I'm not picking on my fellow Idaho peeps. You guys know I'm an Idahoan through and through. Uh, I love my state. I love the people here. I, I, this is, this is where I live. This is home. And so don't, send me a bunch of nasty hate mail emails, bullshit talking about how I'm talking smack about us fellow Idahoans. That's, that's not the point. Yeah. So send it's a it guy. guy. It's guy at <laughs> westernconcours.com. Um, and, 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 and that'll, me, bro. That'll, that'll point you in the right direction. The point is, is I, I ran into, we had a lot of non-residents in, in my neck of the woods. And, and the point is, is I ran into a lot more problems with locals than I did non-residents. That's not to say that sometimes I don't get bent out of shape about, you know, non-residents in my hunting unit. Sometimes it does get irritating. Uh, but, you know, that just means I have to work a little harder. The non-residents are looking at the places I've been hunting for years. So I need to look at new places where they're not going to go because they're not going to have the time that I have to go into those areas. It's, it's a simple fix. Guy, elaborate, brother. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. 
and in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the screen lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season, and then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the AMP lineup. For predator calls like the 3-pack POR123 or the Fawn in Distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time for listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally $89, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade, particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers in the Summit boot, offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. 
If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for, you know, memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm, like, obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything. Guys, check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Hold on a sec. So so what I'm hearing is, is not a you're from this state thing. Right. What I'm hearing is a yes, hunter, hunter etiquette. etiquette. It is absolutely, thing, yeah. and, right. and so not not respecting. I think I think each guy, other. you make a good point there. I don't I don't ever want to cast just a you know the 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 big dark shadow on on one particular group because I've had issues with non-residents. I've had issues with residents. I what I am saying is that the frustrations that came out of this last particular September were more on the resident side. And so for us to all blame, and, and, and I think what I'm driving at, and I, I just didn't quite get there, was I think that using non-resident hunters is a really good excuse as to why you didn't notch a tag. When there's other <laughs> yes. areas, you know, yes. and I hear it all the time. Oh, the wolves have killed all the elk. Oh, the non-residents has taken over my unit. Oh, the eclipse of the moon changed the behavioral aspect of the elk all ran into the ocean and died. Yeah. You know, what, whatever excuse you want to use, <laughs> I think that that's what it is, is it boils down to there, there is an excuse aspect of this and, and people want to blame something for their failure to notch a tag. And I don't blame them. I, you know, I've done it. I'm guilty of it. Guy, you want to elaborate? You know, you know what's interesting? Well, you know what's interesting, right? And I I pulled it up as as I'm listening to so I could better understand it. I mean, if you look at that here in California, right? It's it's like less than one percent of the of the population hunts here. So it's hard it's hard to nail it down for me, right? I it's like if you're a hunter in this state, you're a, a stealthy ninja, you're flying under the radar for most folks. So I pulled this this data up from the uh, US Fish and Wildlife Service. And this is, it's, uh, it's dated. It's 2017 and Idaho had 1.51 million uh, total hunting license tags and permits and Mm -hmm. stamps sold, right? Only a hundred and nine, well, I say only, right? Only 190,000 of those uh, were non-residents. So when you put that across the available public land or where, or that's not even just public land, right? That's across the board. Is it really that big it's not. of an impact? Now you may get into those areas, right, that are that are easily accessible. The e-scouting, I think, lends itself to people finding yeah. these areas. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are going and they're they're camping for seven to ten days. So they're looking for that spot, you know, that that guys may be in there every year with their family, right? And and we're gonna have that. But 
you know, it boils down to etiquette and how we treat each other um, regardless, and, and guy, right? And you were kind of, you know, talking. There's and, a crazy stat yes, you need to look up. So 1 million tags or so, right, in, in the state of Idaho. Now look up mm-hmm. um, the amount of hunting licenses sold in the state of California uh, because there's a point to where I'm going with this. But um, it, let me know when you got that up. But but that's that's a great point. Is is when when you're talking about statistically or or uh, the the number proportionally from residents to non-residents, when you look at that number, non-resident hunters uh, is is really a non-issue. And the other point I, that I want to make with that is Idaho did have a problem where there were like four or five specific units that all the non-residents would go to. And, and what happened was, is those units would just get absolutely hammered with out-of-staters. And so Idaho fixed that by limiting mm-hmm. and equally uh, distributing the tags to non-residents so that there wasn't such like a draw on this one particular unit where all the resident, non-residents would go and, and, and just absolutely annihilate that unit. And so now uh, non-residents are more evenly distributed. So I think that that's going to be less of an issue moving forward. And I think I noticed it this last season. Did you look at the, up the amount of um, tag holders in the state of California? Yeah, I have, I have every state up right now. So California, this is again, 2017 uh, paid hunting license holders for California, 284,069 resident hunting license tags and permits uh, 1 million 32 non-resident okay, 21,000. What was the what was the number the, for Idaho total tag resident and non-resident? Do, do, 606,000? Uh, oh, excuse me. 1,000,000 1.5 1.151. Uh, 1. 1. So if million. I'm remembering this right, the the point yes, that I'm sir. trying to make is in the state of Idaho the number of tag holders is roughly half of the entire population of the state of Idaho, where when you compare that to the state of Idaho or uh, California, I'm sorry, uh, it was less tag holders when you count both resident and non-resident. But your population, what is the population of California? What, like 30 million people? I think, dude, I think like it's 40 million 40s some now. odd people. So when uh, you compare that number uh, proportionally to the population of of that state, I think that that's where we get this out of hand perception of what the impact to non-resident hunters is. Right. So Mm -hmm. so in Idaho, we've got we've got half of the population, over half of the population that holds licenses that is out in the woods to include non-residents in in the state of California. Instead of it being over half, it's like less than one or two percent and so yeah it's, it's less it's, than one percent yeah just over it, half it's a an percent. insane 39.37 liberal that's nuts mother- dude <laughs> 40 million people 40 million freaking stinking people man it's not crazy i can't believe Oof. this it's just that's a insane. it's a number that is unfathomable to me and so I, I think that that's an important distinction when we're when we're talking about, you know, tag holders, non-resident versus resident, blah, 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 is is where where Idahoans in particular get frustrated. It's it's like we get this massive amount of residents and non-residents coming in. Right. It's not just. Non-residents, it's we have a huge influx of population because California is full of a bunch of liberal goddamn bananas, left wing nuts that 
force everybody to go out of state to hunt because you're hunting your your uh, the, the the regulations on on the state of california are a bit hard to fathom for local residents so they go out of state so but it's really it, it's really not and i think and i mean it's oh, I, 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 I think i think i, think I, most... I misspoke there guy i meant that the uh regulatory just a lifestyle in general has forced a lot of people to leave california yes, and come yeah. to idaho so we have this huge influx of new resident hunters that is over the counter they can go grab a tag mm-hmm. at walmart and head off into the woods and it's it's compounding this perception that locals have about all these out of staters taking up there because a lot of them don't even right. change their plates in time for hunting season, right? So they're they're up there with California plates, but they live in Boise, right? So, <laughs> anyways, I kind of went mm-hmm. off on a rant there and, and down a side hill, but I, I wanna I wanna keep talking about this uh, from that that perspective. So hopefully people can understand that the numbers might be a little bit squampus in terms of what you see proportionally compared to other states. Uh, Western states like Idaho, Montana, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico get hammered by non-residents. And a lot of it is because of that. But the blaming of non-residents for not, not notching a tag is inappropriate. Would we agree? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll blame oh, anything too, for not notching a tag, right? I got I got a line yeah. of excuses. <laughs> right. I got a line Always of excuses Hillary for every tag that's mind. sitting in my in my tag soup envelope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so you know when we when we talk about this, right? And and just because we're on Idaho, where it, it, like Wyoming, right? They're they're trying to uh, limit sure. that tag allocation, right? So when we look at the fiscal impact of non-residents, right? And again, 2017, that was $23 million, $23.6 million from total license costs. 13.9 million was non-res to a 9.62 million of residents. Wait, wait, wait. Guy, can you, can you re- Do re-say we... that? You, you cut out right uh, on the critical numbers there. Okay. 23, 23 million okay, total 23 dollars, million total. just over 23 million total okay. dollars, right? The gross cost, non-residents, 13.9 million and yep. residents, yep. nine okay. point, right? 9.6 okay. million. So as we are bantering about this and we're upset about this and we're popping tire, and I've seen some crazy S in the last few years, right? There was a gentleman, I think it was last year, was out of state. Somebody took their truck. It was attached to his trailer, took their truck and rammed his trailer, basically jackknifed it while it was parked and just tore the guy's truck and trailer up. Shit. We don't even look at the impact to our departments when it comes to wanting to get rid of non-residents, right? That's a hell of an input. Can you imagine your state fish and game or state wildlife, whatever it is, whatever state you're in, losing Thirteen point nine million dollars out of their total twenty three point six. It, it would be unsustainable. Revenue. I mean, it's what, what is that impact, right? Yeah, you, you Un- lose your department, right? I mean, I, I think that needs to be part of the conversation. And I don't want people to think, oh, he's in California, so he has this view. No, I want us to look at this across the board in every state and realize that what we're doing affects us, right? Our etiquette, like, you know, Garrett's talking about, yeah. um, it affects us. And and we have to look at the bigger picture when we're, when we're shitting on each other and, and shitting on non-res mm-hmm. hunters. 
And yeah, if a guy is an asshole and he doesn't have etiquette or a guy is coming to your state and he's leaving fucking trash in his campsite, by all means, please raise hell with that guy. Call, call the fucking warden on him, right? If the camp's a fucking mess and he's been there for five days, he's probably going to leave some of that shit out. Then, then take action. Don't just complain and, and suffer in silence. Yeah. Take action on that shit. But we got to get our, our etiquette and our behavior amongst each other. Well, one point that you just made guys is important in a sense that, um, you know, you're, you're talking like, okay, uh, five years ago, if there would have been a Californian hunting in my spot, what I call my spot, I hunt public land, national forest, right? (laughs) Like it's not mine, but it's where I've been hunting for a long time. I know where all the local honey holes are. You know, I spend a lot of time in the woods. I, I know where to find the elk. I know where to find the deer. I know I even know where the bears are, even though I suck at hunting them. Um, <laughs> it, 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 so, so you can call it my spot. And five years ago, I would have been sideways had I seen a bunch of non-resident vehicles parked in my spot. And where I want listeners to understand that I personally recognize some of the frustrations that come out of seeing some out-of-state vehicles parked in on a trailhead or in the national forest, whatever. You have to understand that, too, that I'm sitting here on a podcast, some close-minded North Idaho, you know, redneck, whatever, whatever you want to call me. Because that's what somebody called me once. is closed-minded. I've never gotten over that one. Whatever, dude. You're stupid. The point <laughs> is, I'm sitting here on a podcast with my one of my one of my people that I have utmost respect for, sitting in California, recording with somebody else that I have the utmost respect for, sitting in Oregon. And you know what I noticed is when you take out the nuance of the state lines, you guys are my peeps. Right. Like I would love to share a hunting camp with you guys. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes distance and, and, and all that kind of is going to prevent that or whatever. But the, the bottom line is, is when you take the bird's eye view out of it and start putting it on an individualistic level. These people are our peeps. They're in our state hunting because they or our brother and sister that the, we are all of the same family. We are hunters. We are outdoorsmen. We're sportsmen. We want to get out there and we want to experience the wild things that are uh, crucial and critical to our primal nature. This is what makes hunting hunting. It's not about your spot or somebody else's spot. It's, it's about understanding that these, these state lines fade with the brotherhood and the sisterhood that comes out of hunting and, and the future that depends on us having a spine to stand up and say it. What do you guys say? Mm-hmm. That's it. I agree. I mean, do you need to say any more when, it, when it comes to that? Right. I mean, it just, I, I don't know, man, I, I have so it's hard for me, right? Because the last, and it, I guess it's not for a long time. I didn't hunt out of state, right? I didn't, I didn't have the finances to do it. I didn't have the fucking time to do it. And it wasn't an option for me. And I've absolutely, you know, fell in love with going out and adventure into another state. And I, I, I have the California plates, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it sometimes 
and you know, I pack away from my truck for six or seven days or something. I'm worried about my fucking vehicle when I get well, back. Well, uh, you know what, guy? That, that right on, now, on that, on that particular bag, point, what's interesting is is my day job. My company gives me a company truck, but my company is based out of Spokane, Washington. I I live in Idaho, so my truck sometimes. Again, I've said this on the on the podcast. If my boss listens, put your uh, put your earmuffs on. Sometimes <laughs> I take my company truck hunting, right? And it has Washington plates. And guess what happens? Somebody slashed one of my tires one time. And so that's bullshit. Really? Because you guys got to understand, like, I'm, I'm pretty close to Washington. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we're, we're in the panhandle. It takes, if you drive from Spokane to the, the Montana border, it's less than an hour. So, so it's, it's a very small part of Idaho. And anyway, the point being is, and this was four or five years ago, somebody slashed my tires because I had Washington plates. It's. Did you have deserve the fucking it? Balls, have the <laughs> yeah. fucking balls to walk up yeah, to me seriously. in camp and seriously, talk that shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, if you're doing that, if you're doing I'll that shit, there, I'll kick your ass so hard. You'll wear your ass as a hat. All kind you try of, to do that in person, but, but, but you're, yeah, yeah, seriously. Come, come to camp. It's bullshit. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I mean, come on. I don't, I don't want to sound like that guy. Right. But I, but I am not going to accept that that's the kind of shit we're pulling. And regardless of what you think of someone's state, right. Cause a lot of it, I mean, when you look at California, right, California has a bad rap and for good reason sometimes, but not every fucking person in California is walking around with a man bun and Birkenstocks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and not everybody is, is, <laughs> you know, so far left the center, you know what I mean? And and it's just that's it's like, how fucking stupid are you? Right. And most of these states, most states, even even if you take away the influx of of, you know, the the, the liberal states into Idaho and Montana and Colorado, if you take that away, that do, it doesn't it doesn't mean shit. Right. We're out there sharing the same experience the same opportunity if you have an issue or you think someone's going to do something you know to 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 shit on your honey hole or your area go have a fucking conversation with them join them i I mean i experience it here all the time yeah well you don't have to join them well you don't even have to do that but just say hey man you know, I'd appreciate it if you leave this pristine. This is where I've been hunting for X amount yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah. I you know, see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Please respect it, right? And and if a guy can't if a guy can't take that and and appreciate it coming, you know, to someone's home state, then fuck them. You know what I mean? And everybody yeah. wants to have this attitude and their chest pumped out about what they're doing. And and you know, Garrett Garrett feels like his experience is is bigger and better than my experience. And I think mine is bigger and better than Jim's. And, you know, my chase is more important than than Jim putting, you know, food on the table for his family. That's a fucking problem. No, it's a total it problem. It's a fucking it's a problem. problem. I, I deal with it. I deal with it here in my home range. You know, last year I had, I, I pull up to my spot. I, again, my spot, right? I've been <laughs> there for years. And there's, there's a vehicle parked there. There's two guys are cooking breakfast. And I, I just pulled up, kept my Jeep running. And I said, Hey, are you guys, where are you guys hunting at? And they said, Oh, we're going to go over here. And I'm like, okay, cool. Do you mind if I park here and, and go in here and hunt? And it was opposite sides of the road. And they're like, no, no problem. All right, cool. Thanks guys. I've been hunting here. I said, Hey, you know, by the way, what are you hunting? They told me, I said, okay, if you go down this way, boom, 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 you're going to find this bear. It's always there, right? Without a doubt that bear will be there. 
So I go in and I start packing in and I hear something. I'm like, what the hell is that? Right. Usually I don't, I don't get deer running in this area until I, I get in a ways. So I step back, man, I get in front of this bush and I'm, I'm hearing it's coming at me. It's coming at me. It's coming at me. I'm like, Oh shit. And then I look over and I see one of the Jack legs and he's like 70 yards off my, off my freaking nine o'clock. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. I'm like, what is he doing? And he's just standing there. Right. So I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. It's coming. It's getting faster, man. I knock one and I'm, I'm fucking ready to draw. I'm ready to draw. Next thing I know, man, I got three deer just blowing by me. The guy, he's 70 yards away again at my nine o'clock. He's standing up and he's looking and he starts waving and I step out and I'm looking, what the, put my hands up like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, then I, I hear it again and I'm like, oh shit, you know, what's going on? Dude, his buddy comes walking out and they're, they're driving. They're drive. They're trying to drive oh, the deer, and man. I'm going, dude. What the fuck is going on? And I was, I I'd was have been madder livid, than a vegan livid. at a barbecue. And I said, okay, it, I got to. I was, I was <laughs> pissed, right? And I said, I got to remove myself. It's not even worth the headache. I'll go to a different spot. And I just told him, I said, dude, I asked you guys, were you hunting on this side? You told me no, you were hunting over there, right? I did that out of respect for you to give you your space, but then you come over here and you jump in my shit. And you're driving freaking deer, you know, without a care in the world about they do. They were impervious to the conversation. They had no idea what they did was wrong. And I think that's part of the problem, right? Is we don't understand that there is a level of etiquette that's necessary when we're out there. And I'm the first one. If I see somebody, I don't care if I'm on something. I'm like, look, man, if you're here, you're here. Unless I'm drawn down and I'm about to arrow something, I'm going to walk away. You know, there's, that there's plenty of area. Exactly what I was telling yeah. the story about how I was, I was having that bugle fest with that bull in the bottom of the drainage and 800 feet up on, on the side, that dirt road was there and those dudes were bugling off their four wheeler. Um, I'm curious what your guys' take is on the etiquette question in terms of like, um, I don't know how to phrase it the right way other than. Like what the fuck is wrong with people? Is there is there a lack is there a lack of <laughs> etiquette education or is there like just yeah. this general lack of respect for other hunters or or like what's going on with the etiquette thing? Because I, I think that this is something that is super important I, as we as we walk to the future of hunting. Etiquette is one of those things and, and just general respect. I, I don't care if it's etiquette when it comes to hunting. Or the fact that these cheese dicks don't ever open the, the door for a little old lady coming into the restaurant. Like, etiquette and respect. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's lost. And I want you guys to to talk about it a little bit. Let, what, what do you guys think? Yeah. Go ahead, Gary, because I've been running my mouth. I'll jump in. No, it's all good. Um, the answer to your question <laughs> is yes. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know. It, it just comes down to people don't give a shit, in my but, opinion. I mean, why, why do you think that arbitrary. is, Garrett? Like, I mean, is, is it is it because but, there is like this lack of focus? Is is the focus the more on okay? Here's here's the strategy to find an no. elk, or is the focus on um, what's the etiquette when you're out there in the woods with other hunters? Because it, it, it's changed. It's changed. I'm an old man, so it's. Um, it goes, well, it goes back to my first point, you know, people are, it's a, it's a personality issue. It's, you know, assholes are rich, they're poor, they're everywhere. And, uh, I, I think that if someone's 
gotten to the point where if you got all this money, you've drove in there, you've put in the time, and then there's somebody else already there when you're already, say, two miles in. Um, it takes a it takes integrity and it takes a decision, the right decision to say, you know what, I've been beat. I, I this isn't my spot today. You know that that's a really really hard especially to swallow. especially it really if it's like a weekend somebody who doesn't have a lot of time to hunt right you know they're two miles in yes. they've only got saturday and maybe right. sunday morning um that that's a hard pill to swallow like you said yeah right well and here's here's the deal they're not breaking any laws there's no consequences other than maybe getting your ass kicked and i don't know the last time that even happened with somebody you know truly getting their ass kicked two miles deep that just doesn't happen and so there's really no consequences. You're not ever going to see or meet that guy ever again, most likely. And so why not? I mean, I mean, honestly, there's if there's no consequences and you're never going to see that guy again, why wouldn't you keep doing it? And if he calls you on it, ten, nine times out of 10, somebody <laughs> won't. It, somebody won't. Sure. And so, um, you know, I didn't. When I got walked in two miles in, these guys followed my boot prints. I know what they saw. They saw me looking at a buck on a spot and scope and they said, He's in that spot and scope looking well, at something. Well, not to mention, Garrett, that you're, you're just a, a hiking devil and, and, and a, a heavily, widely nah. known influencer yeah. in the world of bow hunting. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, maybe tongue-in-cheek being a bit facetious. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, so, you know... My point is, is, is that there, there's, there's no consequences. I mean, if you really have to question and, and, and if you're that new, I highly doubt that this happens very, very often, two miles deep. If you're two miles deep in a honey hole and this is happening to you, I, you know, I would say nine times out of 10, that dude knows better. You you said something super important there and, and you kind of, you kind of brushed right by it. What? can you expand on when you talk about if, if you know that it's wrong, you know, it's wrong or you have to question it, right? What does that mean? If you, because in my mind, if, if you're questioning the ethics of a scenario that you're in, it is wrong and you need to move on. So, <laughs> yeah. so talk about that. Don't do it. Yeah. It, you know, if, if you, if you're wondering, could this, you know, if, it, if that thought is even in your head, you should just check yourself at that point and say, you know, there's a reason I'm thinking this. There's a reason I'm thinking, is this, am I in the wrong or is this guy in the wrong? Or am I going to be a dick if I go over here and do that? Because if you're asking those questions, I, I would probably bet money on it that the answer is yes, you are either in the wrong or you're going to be in the wrong. And that's your conscious telling you, Hey, over here, don't be a fucking asshole. I love it. Go somewhere else. I mean, honestly, really? I mean, and so, you know, my opinion, I dude, I like guy, I, I mean, two of buddies were working in on a bowl and we thought the hunter was way farther bugling off the road. And we didn't even know if he was a hunter for sure, but you know, his bugle sounded like shit and the bowl sounded pretty good. And so he wasn't moving. We gave the guy half an hour and he wasn't moving. The, the bull wasn't moving. And it was just one of those where he's in thick timber. You're not, and he's not wanting to come out and it's a very pressured area. And so, you know, I'm like, well, I've heard bulls sound worse than that. And maybe it's two bulls. And so until, you know, so we, we decided to move in cautiously. Okay. And 
finally we get in there and the bowl is kind of coming in because we bugled at him. And then that bowl over here who sounded like not very good, didn't still move. And then, so finally we're, we're into the, we're almost into the red zone. We're in a hundred yards from this bowl. And I get a tap on my shoulder and Anthony's like, Hey, look to your left. And there's a dude sitting under a tree and he's waving at us. And I'm thinking, you know, we're about to bust this guy's bowl out of here back out now. And so we did. Um, and we were in between the hunter and the bowl. And we, I would, I would have bet we would at least saw the bowl if not killed it. And, um, and you know, instead of, instead of just saying, well, we beat him here. No, he beat us there. Turned out that guy was a bull. And so we backed out immediately and we listened to them play. Hello, hello, hello till dark. I mean, honestly, I mean, and, and I actually knew the guys and they're like, well, why didn't you go behind us and call for us? And I'm like, cause I didn't want you guys to use somebody's excuse or anybody's an excuse. Yeah. I don't want to be the yeah. excuse because if that didn't pan out and that bull did something stupid that you didn't expect, it's my fault. And so we just yeah. backed out. No harm, no foul. But how many guys would have done that? You're less than a hundred yards from a bull who's pissed off. Who's just not wanting to leave where he was at. He probably had a herd and, and just wasn't willing to come, you know, you know, go 90 and you go 10 kind of thing. And that, what, that wasn't going to happen in that scenario. And so, um, was it an easy decision? Yeah, it was an easy decision, but I'm all also an ethical hunter. I'm not worried about getting an op- another opportunity. I'm going to work my butt off to get that other opportunity. And if that's what it comes down to, yeah. then I'm not willing yeah. to fill my tag because that, that's you know, that, you know, what I, Garrett I, said right there is pretty important. I'm sorry to cut you off, you're man, good. but, but creating the opportunity, right? I mean, that, that's what it amounts to is, is your ability, your confidence to go create opportunities and whether or not, I mean, come on, you're not going to go, somebody snakes an animal. Like, dude, you know Mm -hmm. that you didn't put the work in, right? To walk away from that. It's like, yeah, good, good luck, buddy. I'm going to go, I'm going to go find my opportunity over here. To me, that's confidence in the woods, right? That, that boils down to your woodsmanship and your, and your skill set as a hunter. Um, to go, you know, to walk away from that and just say, fuck it. You know, to me, it's an easy right. decision. I agree with Garrett. Like I, I yeah. totally easy to too easy. Yeah. And, and, you know, imagine me going on here and preaching, which I've done my podcast, maybe I get on a soapbox. I preach about running into one asshole a year and I do, it's, it's almost biblical. I run into one douchebag a year who just straight up screws me. And, um, imagine me talking about that on these podcasts, on your podcast, on guys and just preaching etiquette. Yeah. And then I went yeah. and I did that to hypocrisy. those hypocrisy. Imagine let's, how well let's that leave would the, I mean, let's leave the hypocrisy to the these hunters because, because that's where, that's where it lies. But no, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> right. such a great point. And, and I right. think that the ethics conversation is something that gets missed a lot. Uh, <laughs> that I, I, I've been bitching and complaining about that dude on the yeah. four wheeler that called onto my bowl scared my bowl away what i what i claim is my bowl on my honey hole blah 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 but he's up there you know right 800 feet higher up on the dirt road sitting on his four-wheeler acting like he's going to call a bull into uh the the dirt road get real um once but is that a is that a a etiquette or an ethics thing right no he knew he knew he may not have known and here's how i knew because because when I, when I crested the ridge that was directly across the dirt road, um, that's where I got the, the response of the bull that was in the bottom of the drainage at this wallow. It's a big wallow. My buddy Steve Johnson is going to know exactly what wallow I'm talking about. 
And let me tell you something, where I parked, I was four and a half miles to the top of this ridge and it dropped down another half a mile to the bottom of this drainage where this walla was. And I knew the walla, I know the walla well, there's always elk there. And this guy, when I was directly across, heard me bugling to that bull down below. And so when I dropped down, he just stayed there and kept calling to him. And it scared that, it made the bull nervous. He, he boogered off because he was a mature bull and knew better. Um, the, the point that I'm making is, is when, when you're talking about ethics and etiquette, um, first of all, actually that's hard to explain, but let me, let me do it this way. First of all, in, in North Idaho, right on these, on these logging backcountry roads that are, they're, you know, they just wind and wind everywhere. It's okay to locate oh, bulls. Jim's sketching out. So I when I hope you know you off the road because I'm gonna but I'm gonna call him out. If right? you're I, trying I think he's to making assumptions, <laughs> locate a bull, I think he's making because, assumptions and, and on ability and, and really understanding year, uh, and that those guys hunter, knew. Like if if it's, guys, it says if my connection is unstable. Someone Can gets a visual, okay? and I, I know that they're looking at me. I'm going to motion to them. I'm going to say, "Hey, I'm here," and hopefully, I get the response. I'm there. He goes. He laser beamed out. Yeah. And hopefully I get the response that just to me, it's easier to move on, man. And, and it's a great, it's just a great practice. And when you can exude that God, self-control. I, yep. Hey guys, sorry. It, it cut out there again. Sorry about that. I, I just got it back. Some of this recording, I, let me, let me make the quick announcement because you were making an awesome point and I want you to go back to it guy. Um, some of the recording guys, for those of you listening, especially from, from my platform, uh, I, I have to make the, the statement that some of this is, this is why I usually do it over the phone because my internet is fucked up. It just cut out again. Guy was making like a, like an epic point that everybody should hear and it cut off. And so for those of you listening, bear with us. Uh, we're, I'm going to mess this all together the best I can. Uh, but, but yeah, that's going to be an issue right there. I, I apologize about that guy. You were right in the middle of a great point about ethics. And, um, when, when I get Elon Musk's great new (laughs) internet system that is supposed to be much, much better, I want to redo this if, if necessary. Okay. Because ethics, I think is a whole other podcast topic that we can have multiple topics on. Yeah. I thought we were talking about ethics, <laughs> but it, I mean, it, honestly, it, it crosses, it crosses the, the lines, right? You know, I mean, it really, really does because you can, you know, you're in, you're in Idaho and you're seeing Idaho plays Garrett's in Idaho and he's going, Holy shit. These Idahoans are effed up, man. Um, so I, I, I think that it's, it's all one ball, right? The etiquette and the ethics and how we treat each other. I mean, whether it's non-res to res or, you know, two residents falling on top of each other and, and cutting each other off or, you know, for the same bull or buck. I mean, it, it all it all comes together. And I think it is that is the topic, right, is is us not being assholes to each other and keeping some. And, and there's a point yeah. where I understand. Right. I've, I've been that guy that that only has three days to fill a tag. Right. Kids are playing sports. I got bills to pay. I can't take a a ton of time off work. I saved up for a year to get this this out-of-state tag, and I got to seal the deal. But at what cost? And I think it's a very easy decision, right? If I see Garrett, and Garrett's calling in a bull, and he's working a bull, whether, whether it's working in my opinion or not, do I have an opportunity to skate him, skate the win, and go arrow that bull? If I do, I'm not going to do it because how would I, how would I 
respond to the situation knowing that a guy come in and I've worked my ass off for 10 days, for seven days, for three days, play this bull for two hours, and I'm trying to seal the deal and some and some jack leg cuts me off. I'm going to be pissed. I don't mm-hmm, want yeah. to I don't want yep. to be that guy that turns that experience into a bad experience for someone else, but then I have to walk away from that situation knowing that I didn't put in the work to really get that bull. Now, did I sneak in on the bull and arrow him? Yeah. Sure. But I cut a guy off. I got to live with that shit. That's not a story I want to tell looking at one of my fucking mounts. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, that, yep. that bull I killed this year, um, I the guy absolutely could have screwed me. He was working the same bull. I, we were there, and we knew he was there, and so we were there before daylight, and, and we were really close to that bull. And so long story short, I don't think he knew we were hunters yet, so he bugles, and that bull goes on the defense and goes and puts himself in between the herd and him. And he's chances of killing that bull were very slim where he was at. He wasn't playing the wind. And um, he's out in the middle of the open on this ridge, on the same ridge as the bull, probably I'd say 150 to 200 yards above the bull. And, um, you know, we're all in line. I can see him. I can see the bull as I'm shooting. I can see everything. And when he saw me, he sat on his hands and completely watched the show unfold. And we met each other down about an hour later as, as, um, as I was giving the bull some time and, and, um, everybody started kind of coming together down on the main road, uh, you know, I, I thanked him and his son was watching way up higher. His son was watching. And I said, Hey, with this son right there, I said, thank you. Thank you for not screwing me. You could have very easily. I, I owe you because a lot of guys wouldn't have done that. And he set the example for his kid. And so do you think his kid's going to be one of these guys out there that are going out and just cutting somebody off? That guy could could have completely just clapped his hands and blew the whole herd out. I mean, it would could have been that easy for him. And, and, um, I yeah, think I think yeah. just that was a sweet bull. Oh, by the way. yeah, he's he's not as big as you think he. Is. He's just photogenic. Everything I shoot's photogenic because I'm a little guy. But um, so so Gary, you know, what, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. What, what what I would love for you to do right because when you when you said that right it it brought the scenario in my head. Now, would you mind talking about that right because he's in a position, you're in a position. The bull's here. If I was that guy up on top, I would have said, yeah, that guy down there is in a better position, right? That goes into etiquette, but that also goes into what I was saying earlier about Jim giving guys credit. Maybe that guy was, he had the wherewithal to understand that he was dominant, right? With that bull. Um, Not all guys know that. So I think that would be great if you could just walk us through that scenario and why you would sit on that. What do you, what do you mean? Guy, what, what do you mean by that? Like, are you talking about, I'm I'm giving guys credit because because you said, Maybe they're brand well, new hunters. Well, you said that, that or, the guy or, knew or whatever they, they. No, you said that the it. guy knew that you were calling, and and my comment to that. Oh, he absolutely but, did. And that, but that in that particular, but that's condi- that's an position, assumption. But that's an that's an absolute assumption. There, right? Well, because I've witnessed guys. Listen, I've witnessed listen, guys guy, call. Listen, listen. I'm not a Californian. <laughs> I don't assume anything. But I, I I can tell you. There was some other times where I, I questioned with whether this guy is just an unethical asshole or no etiquette having asshole or hey, that's what I'm saying. Know. That's my point. Right. And so maybe yes, that's, a that's my point. OK, so, okay, so gotcha. as we talk gotcha, about gotcha. the scenario, especially in, in Garrett's, this is a perfect example because you would assume that a guy that didn't know would still try to pressure that bull. So by Garrett saying the guy sat on his hands, 
in that scenario, right? In that three tiered scenario, you know, mm-hmm. uphill, midhill, downhill, this guy up here knew that he was in the worst position to play this bull. Right. And I yeah. would love for folks that hear this, that yeah. well, well, I don't understand yeah. why you would sit on your hands. Well, that's a, that, you know, that's a great question. And, and you guys can chime in, you know, as well. But so what was happening is, is we, I'll just give the whole scenario. And if I get too deep into the woods, just bring me out. So we get into this bowl. I have video of him raking and he's fired up and he actually was fired up about a week before season. My buddy called to him into 10 yards before he could shoot him because it wasn't season yet. And the bull just ran in the bull was fired up. He has a herd of about 11 to 12 cows. And so, you know what? We left him at dark, put him to bed. We were said, we're going to start from the bottom because the thermals obviously going down and we're going to basically just get him raking and I'm going to sneak in and shoot him. Brad's going to do all the call on my hunting partner and it's a reprod unit. So it's pretty thick. Well, everything pans out exactly like we were hoping. He's not a hundred yards from where we left him. He's raking, bugling. All the cows are one little finger ridge over. So all I have is his eyeballs. He's screwed. And I get into about, um, and he's raking so hard. I'm running through openings like I was invisible because he was staring at at the ground or straight up in the air. He was so, so focused on just pissed off raking trees. I'm covering ground like crazy and it's super steep. And so I go from about 150 yards to about 70 yards relatively quickly. And I would say, you know, it doesn't sound very quick, but I would say in about 10 minutes, which is hauling ass. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, for the scenario. And then finally, when I get up into there, I'm almost in bow range. I have another couple little openings I'm trying to get to. You give me like another five minutes. I'm going to shoot that bull at about 45 yards. He's going to be uphill of me. And I was never going to make a peep. Well, I'm about, I don't know, 70 or 80 from the bull. And I hear a bugle way up on the ridge and I'm thinking, shit, you know, this guy's going to spook this bull out of here. He's above. So the wind's obviously coming down. He's on the same ridge. The cows and spikes are all feeding over there on that side. And so I lose, I lose sight of the bull. I hadn't seen him for about three minutes. And, and then uh, um, I get up high enough to look at Brad and he's like signaling me, like, get your ass to the top of the hill. And so I run all the way to the top. And um, what happened when that guy bugled for the folks listening, that bull was playing defense. He put that bull on defense. He was on um, pretty much kind of offense when we were below him. He's like, come get me, dude. I'll let you come get me. And when that other guy bugled, he had dominant position, which made that bull put himself in between the herd and that hunter. But what's going to happen is that the hunter was out in the open. So that bull's not going to go to him. That hunter is going to have to figure out a way to come all the way in range with literally thir- or 10 other eyeballs looking at him, which wasn't going to happen. He was screwed. When he bugled, he fucked himself. That, that's, he should never have bugled. And he should never have been above the elk at that time of day. And so he, I used him. The bull was looking yeah. at him when I shot. And he was broadside and that guy actually helped me out. Um, I, he didn't intend to, but when he saw me, he literally just sat on a stump and didn't make a peep, you know, and all he would have had to do is probably bugle one more time when all those elk could see where he was, see that there wasn't an elk when he bugled and they all would have skedaddled into the timber. And to me, that was a stand up play by him. Mm. And I thanked him. I gave him a free bugle. Uh, one of the bro tubes, the prototypes, I gave him a free bugle. I said, Hey man, I appreciate it. You know, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And uh, yeah, it was a win for everybody. There was two other groups of hunters trying to kill that same bull in that same time. And, um, you know, we just we just played our cards right. And we're very lucky we ran into guys that had etiquette that day. Thank you. Yeah. Sweet. I don't think 
I, I don't think a lot of think folks that, would have recognized um, that. And the reason I did that, sorry, Jim, is is I don't I don't know that folks would have recognized that when you were talking about it. You know that that's a big deal. Yeah, you have to understand elk first of yeah, all, no, and you have to sure. have the experience. And guys that don't have the experience are way more likely to screw you. They are. They're way more likely. And so, yeah, is it etiquette? Yes, but it's also education yes. as well. And and you know that's what a lot of our podcasts do. We educate people. You know, if you could have a guy that literally didn't know what, what guy just pointed out there and then have me explain it. He probably would never have known. Right. I mean, that guy had about a 0%. She had a better chance of winning a lottery at killing that bull that morning. Um, you know, really realistically, I mean, I, I put myself in those positions and, and anybody that's hunted elk would, would agree. And, uh, it just, you know, it just, it takes a little bit of experience, but I don't think there's that many severely, <laughs> uneducated, inexperienced hunters running, roaming the woods where we are very first of all. And, and, you know, if you, if you are, then you might need to just find a new area. I I don't really, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, it doesn't take a genius to figure out when you're being a dick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's going to be the quote (laughs) of this podcast. It doesn't take a genius to find out that you're really, I mean, yeah. And, I love it. Uh, I, I want to bring something up with out-of-state hunters. I don't know. Do you guys either know um, if the out-of-state hunters are counted in the hunting population more than once? Or if you buy a, a, a tag, you're counted once. But if you go in another state, you're counted twice. I was wondering that. I, I had that looking at stats. You're, you're, no, I, I, I looked I looked into this. Um, and the, from what I could find, it was disheartening because – I was trying to, uh, because I, I told you guys, I'm, I'm working on this book that is along the lines of what we're talking about and, and some of the, some of these things that we're, we're fighting against, right? And so I'm, tr- I'm trying to get these numbers that are favorable to us as right. hunters, uh, looking all over the place. And I can't find a definitive answer, but I could see the look in Guy's eyes. He might be looking for it now. Uh, but what, from what I can tell... Is that number of hunters that hold licenses within the United States when you get rid of state lines is going to be higher than if you were to take each state broken down individually and yeah. add them up, right? And so so basically what, what I came up with is there is just over 4% of the population in the United States of America, I'm not talking about Canada, uh, that are license holders, active license holders. When you when you take out the fact that some people hunt from one state to another, that number could uh, potentially be reduced. And so that's right. that's what I was kind of looking at. Uh, the The amount of hunters that travel from state to state to hunt is actually quite insignificant in comparison to just resident hunters. And so I don't think it's a big uh, you know, you know, number to worry about in terms of the the amount of people to hunt in the United States, but it's it's also something to right. factor. It was it crazy. Well- it's just just when I open this up, right? I'm going to read it. Let me go back. Hunters who purchase a lifetime license are not usually counted as participants in subsequent years. Only in the mm-hmm. year they actually shell. So that's going to add that. That's going to be favorable. Yeah, that's going to be favorable. To the overall number, I bet one percent. There's a lot of factors. That, I, I don't know hardly anybody that has a yeah. lifetime license. I, I don't even know if it's one percent lifetime licenses. Are, they're very expensive, and, and and there's a lot of 
there's a lot of factors at play with that. And and when you're looking and when you're trying to figure out the facts of the amount of hunters or pro hunters versus non hunters versus anti hunters, man, there is a lot of information out there that is really hard. Um, there's a lot of gray area. Like I'll give you a great example. And I think I've brought this up on another podcast at some point, but, but I'll give you a great example. Um, my wife is not a hunter and she never will be. She, she's just not into it. She doesn't want to go out there and pull the trigger. But if I fuck around and she thinks I'm not going to get a deer and, or, or whatever, and that freezer is going to be empty, she gets on my ass. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's not included in those hunting numbers that, that four to 5% populace wise, but how many people are like, like how many people are like fall into that group that, that, uh, demographic, so to speak. Um, anyways, it's, it's interesting. The, the research I've done has been really eye opening and, and really, uh, uh, interesting to see kind of how those numbers play out. And, and, and honestly, the, the anti hunting movement that the actual organized card holding anti hunters are not as strong as they make themselves out to be with the exception of they're very good at generating revenue from people that really don't care one way or the other. Because the messaging that they use is is very much propagated. One hundred percent propaganda. It's bullshit. Well, the, the, the the reason I bring up this is because you know people want to say that hunter recruitment is the biggest thing to hunting, and I I couldn't disagree more. I think that's complete bullshit. And and to take that even a step farther, I think another thing that's stupid is the three R's program, which probably isn't a very popular opinion, but that's just a money generating scheme and. What what is the three R's? That's recruitment, I'm, I'm, retention, I'm, I'm, and re-engagement or reactivation. Yeah. And when I, oh, gotcha. I hear in gotcha, multiple gotcha. states, California might have come up with it. Oregon adopted it. Other states are using it. I think that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Um, it's all it is is revenue, revenue, revenue. That's all that stands for in my head. And 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 if we're going to be, yeah. what was that? I just laughed. <laughs> oh, revenue, sorry. Revenue, yeah. Revenue. Um, and so you know, people are saying hunters are on the decline, this and that, you know, if you, if you really look at the numbers and you say by percentage, which that to me is an important number, but if you look at the numbers in general, as, as, as a population, I think in like 2006 and it fluctuates, we were around 14 million and now we're, we're over 15.1 million. We've gained a million people sharing the woods. I mean, ask anybody. Yes. Ask the only thing with that number, though, Garrett, is the 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 population increase is consistent with that in terms of a percentage of how many people actually hunt. Right. And so, like, you know, back then, 240 million Americans versus today, you know, almost 300 million Americans or, or whatever yeah. the number is, uh, is is proportionate. And and when you when you talk about uh, like the, the per capita, that, that number has been reduced. And, and cause I, I came across that exact same thing that, that you're talking about. And so, but, but we have to be careful with, with keeping up on a per capita basis, because statistically speaking, the number of hunters, uh, per capita as a, uh, when, when, um, compared against a population in the United States, where hunters, hunters are lower, but I agree with what you're saying. And I agree with the premises that, you, that you're making. And I also, uh, am, am hoping and praying that you'll let that damn dog behind you 
come and see you. He's dying. He, 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 yeah. like, he's growing crazy. Well, like, what are you doing? My, my point is, my question <laughs> to you is, is do you, and, and I think, I don't know if I've ever got this answer, but do you feel like the woods are more crowded today than 10 years ago? So that one is tough for me because I feel like um, that the woods in terms of, of population that I see has has gone in waves. There was a time in the mid-90s, late 90s when I was hunting when you would have thought it was the fucking Normandy invasion on opening day on, on deer season. Mm-hmm. And I'm not shitting. Even, even I remember... I remember when I first got out of the service back in 2003, it was the summer of 2003 and I go on this elk hunt and it's a rifle hunt. And I go out in the woods and I'm with some family members and everybody and their dog, plus the governor and his staff was in the woods bugling. Hmm. And this is October, right? It's totally inappropriate bugling too. (laughs) Um, The, it's hard to say. It is, it is very difficult to say. I think that as, as a general reaction, people are going to say, oh, there's more people in the woods. Are there more, are there more bow hunters in September? Absolutely. That, that is something that I, I, I have seen dramatically increase. Bow hunting in September for archery elk season, I believe, is noticeably more popular than it was 20 years ago. Right. When I when I go rifle hunting for mule deer, for example, I feel like that number hasn't changed much. If I go on a Saturday, yeah, there's more people. If I go on a Tuesday, man, I'm the only one on the mountain. So I, I it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. And I'm I am always a guy that is super suspicious about what the general consensus is. is. And, the, and, and the general consensus is the woods are more packed than they were 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. But the, the facts are the population, statistically speaking, the, the, uh, the, the statistical data shows that, that a higher portion of the population hunted all those years ago than they do today. However, you got to compare that with the the population influx in right. the United States and and how those numbers compare per capita. So, um, if you compare those numbers, I though, don't. You have that's a, more, a long way of me of saying. If you compare those numbers uh, from two thousand six to two to today, you still have a million more hunters in the woods, even if the percentage of hunting population is lower. My point is is that you added a million people in the woods, whether and I agree with you. I think I think. They, most of them went to bow hunting, but yeah, um, you, you know, you still have a million more because I think it was fourteen point one back then, and now last recent, more recent numbers, it was fifteen point one, and the percentage did go down. But I mean, as as the population of America increases, I think we're around three hundred thirty three million or two hundred, mm-hmm. yeah, three hundred thirty three million. We're gonna have you know every five to every ten years or twenty or let's just call it fifteen years, you're gonna add a million more people. Or ten years, they're going to add a million more people into the woods. To the to the woods. To mean. the woods. To the woods. Yeah, a million. And, and my thing is, is that I mean, even even if the percentage keeps going down from five to four point seven to four point five, the 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 property is typically we're not getting more of it. They're not making any more of it, and you're you're stuffing yeah. more, you know, a million yeah. more every ten to fifteen years. We're, you know that that is an issue that I worry about, and so these recruitment. I I would stuff. say. I would say I agree with that, Garrett, in a sense that we are losing more public land. We're, we're losing public land at a faster pace than we are gaining hunters, right? So those those things are coming together at the top of this pyramid. 
And so, um, you know, just uh, from a personal level, when I first got into bow hunting, it, I was the only person on the mountain back in those days. I was the only one. And, and in fact, you, you, that was back when you would get excited seeing another bow hunter in the woods <laughs> because you guys were like this, this niche, you know, elite. Yeah kind of hunter right you know what i mean that you guys were it was like oh man i'm gonna go meet that i'm gonna walk i'm gonna walk a mile and a thousand foot elevation gain just to go fist bump this dude because he's my people you know and yeah. and, and uh, that was back in the day when um it did seem like you owned the woods now back then also were you to choose a rifle tag and not go bow hunting that gets back to, it sounded like, and I wasn't at Normandy. I'm not like guy's age or anything, but it sounded Stupid like fuck. Normandy <laughs> D-Day. <laughs> took you a minute. It took you a minute. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it, it sounded like the freaking beach landing at Normandy, you know, or Iwo Jima or something. Like there was just opening morning. It was just like, bang, boom, 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 boom. And it's just ringing everywhere. It's always from the and same so, ridge, though. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And it's like the next year, it's like, fuck, I'm going to that ridge. And then you go to that ridge and then the gunshots are coming from the ridge you were on the year prior. <laughs> and so you, you never know where to where to where to go. But the, the point is, is uh, I, I think proportionally, yes, we have more hunters per let, let's break it down to per square acre. We, I, I feel like we have more hunters per square acre than we did 20, 30 years ago. But I think proportionally and statistically you know, speaking against the population and per capita wise, we have fewer hunters, which is bad for the future of hunting. I agree. And I, and I understand what you're saying. I think that number is important. The percentage is what you're talking about. That's important for yes. keeping hunting going for votes and all that stuff. However, quality of hunts, I think are going to continue to, to diminish if we cr- keep recruiting and reengaging and reactivating or whatever, all these, all these other folks. And I'm not saying it's not, we don't need to keep recruiting and stuff. What I, what I am saying is that's a double-edged sword and maybe getting yeah. and doing a yeah. double good point, doing a better job of being proactive and, and, and voting and, and, and being a great ambassador. That is more important than, you know, than growing the sport itself. Getting more votes is more important than having five more hunters. You don't do shit for conservation, exactly. anything for voting, yes, promote anything. Yeah. I would rather have five yeah. more I'd have rather have three voters than five hunters. At yes. It, yes. You know, and, and if we keep re- recruiting people, we're going to be like slitting our own throats, cutting tags, because now you have more people competing for the same amount of resources. And I would say diminishing resources with all the conservation efforts that, you know, our great federal government and states are making, um, you know, we're going to be competing for the same resources on less land. And that's not the solution getting more proactive and, vocal and and getting a message out is more important than that yep well it goes back to what you said right the revenue driver and that kind of drove that point home what okay i the last two septembers i spent a lot of freaking time on the mountain okay and i'm not 10 miles 12 miles deep last last year on boots maybe five folks the year prior three the year before that two okay hmm. otc tags where you're, you're colorado right yeah where the 
fuck are these people? Because I'm not, I'm not the, the well, back I, I, country when guy. When we're not recording, I'll tell you where they're at. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, my, my point there, my point there, right, is, is we're saying that, but I, 2019, 17 days on the mountain. 2020, I think I was 23 days on the mountain, right? 2021, another 20 yeah, some odd yeah. days on the mountain. In three years, I'm counting yep. just two handfuls of folks. So where the fuck are these people? You know what I mean? No, That's you're you're exactly right, guy. I I wanna I wanna highlight that point that that you're making because um, the unit that I used to haunt five, six, seven years ago, I I go there because I I still you know you ever get those spots, you guys, where you know some odd years ago you had an elk encounter, and so you have this thing where you feel like there's gonna be a big bull there again. You know, five years later, I have that problem. I have, and, and my buddy Dirk, uh, he, he kind of got me out of that where he's like, focus on, God, how did he say it? He says, don't hunt the landscape, hunt the bulls. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't focus on, on the spot, you know, find the, fall in love with finding elk, not Mm -hmm. an area. Okay. That's how we said it. Um, very poetic. Soon as you but, soon as you started uh, saying that, that's what came to my head is hearing him say that. Yeah, 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 and and he's 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 absolutely right. And I but I still have that where I I go to this one unit where it's it's super super crowded, it, and it wasn't five six seven years ago. It just is now. Am I cutting out again, guys? No, you sound good on my end. Okay, okay, uh, I'm getting warnings on my screen. Anyway, um. The point, but remember the story I was telling you guys before we started recording about that bowl and the camera and the strings and the blah, blah, blah. I'm going to send you the footage, all that. Mm-hmm. That was less than 300 yards off of where I parked my truck, where I had an entire mountain to myself because I know how to get away from people. So to say, mm-hmm that overcrowdedness is a major, major issue. Now that of course I can only speak for Idaho. I Garrett, you being on the Oregon coast hunting, hunting Roosevelt's over there. I I don't know how that is, man. I I can't speak to it. Uh, I had three other guys trying to kill my bull and I shot it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just an interesting conversation. It's an interesting topic. Uh, We should probably start talking about some closing thoughts here, guys. Yeah. Guy, he wants to I go want first. you to. Do you want to go first, buddy? I man, like, it doesn't matter like, to give me, us brother. Your, um, give us an epic rant on how people should change their <laughs> mindset or or whatever on non-resident hunters. I I don't want to. I said it earlier, right? And I think we've all had the 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 epic rant or what we need to do kind of soapbox thing through this whole talk. I would just say consider consider the story you want to tell of your animal, right? And consider the memories you want to walk away from your hunt with. Again, I don't want to have a story about some D-bag and that is the highlight of my trip. I'm going to move the fuck on. 
I'm going to go chase an animal. I'm going to go create opportunities. I'm going to do it on my terms and I'm not going to let someone else dictate my time on the mountain, be it 20 days, be it two days, be it six hours on a Friday because the kids got games all weekend. It is my experience. I'm in total control of that experience, total control, how I chase the animal, where I chase them. I determine every bit of my hunt, right? From the success to the failure to how I interact with my, my fellow hunters. I'm in control of that. Do I want to preach respect, preach my love of hunting, preach everything that's good about hunting and then be an asshole on the mountain and snake a guy's opportunity or ruin a guy's experience. I'm not that dude. I'll walk away first. I'll go find my happy spot on the mountain and create those opportunities as they, as they present themselves, right? It's on me. It's a test of my woodsmanship and I want to look behind me and tell the story of that, of that buck, right? And how he kicked my ass. And that's the memories, man. If I'm snaking somebody's spot or I'm cutting somebody off or I'm blowing somebody's opportunity, you know, I'm, I'm the douche, you know, and I, I don't want that. We have enough of that in, in day to day dealing with, you know, all the crap that's around us, you know, take, take those things you love about hunting and translate that to the next guy's experience and it'll enhance yours. Yeah. I love it, man. That's why I love you, guy. Thanks, bro. You're my homie. <laughs> All right, Gary, you're on deck, brother. Yeah, so um man, you know, guy pretty much sealed it up and 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 eventually if you start hunting out of state, you're going to be the out of state guy and I just say treat people golden rule how you want to be treated. If you see somebody and they're out of state, they probably really don't know what they don't know. And if you have the insight to say, Hey man, I, I see where you're hunting. You're either doing it wrong or you're doing it right. You know, encourage them, be nice because if you're nice, that goes a long freaking ways. And, and I'm pretty tight lipped if I'm out in the woods, I, I joke around, I could have a buck in the back of my car or a buck of my truck. And I didn't say anything that day. Like <laughs> it's like, I don't care. And, and I, I, and as I get older, the more tight lipped I get have, having said that, if you're really nice to me and I can see that you're struggling out in the woods, or if I'm struggling out in the woods, man, it's sure nice to have motivation or even just a small tip or, Hey, you know, you're hunting the wrong elevation. My man, if you're looking for elk, you should go higher or lower or whatever, you know, there's kindness can go a long ways. And I know that's cheesy as hell, but eventually if you start hunting out of state, you're going to have the out of state license plate. There's no way around it. And, and I just, I just, you know, when I had to check myself this year and I'm like, that guy's probably from here, you know, he was from my home state, you know, and, and I was, I was embarrassed not only because he was, you know, had the same license plate as me, but because I judged him before I even gave him a chance. And, and that just was wrong of me. And that wasn't the right thing to do. And moving forward, I won't make that mistake again. But my point is, is that we're going to have more hunters, uh, in the woods, um, just because populations you're growing, you're going to have more hunters in the woods. You're going to be competing for the same resources. And, and this problem is only going to get worse. And, and, and I say that Mm -hmm. in the best case scenario, if, if our hunter recruitment goes up or the worst case scenario, if it goes down, but our hunters numbers goes up because the population is going to 400 million here, probably real quick, you know, we're going to have less spots to hunt. And so you better get good at sharing. You better have good people skills and just pray that you run into people that are like you 
and pay it forward and, and just be nice because you know, private property, I, I keep joking around with this private property hunts are looking a hell of a lot better every year than they are in public. <laughs> I, I really don't enjoy yeah. seeing other people out in the woods and I enjoy having a quality hunt. And, and, you know, I, people call me a dink. I'm a double income, no kids. And, um, you know, and so <laughs> I, you know, I, I could probably afford a, a, a nice private, you know, hunt every once in a while without a guy, just go off and do my own thing. But it's much more rewarding to go do that on public where you do struggle and you do find other people and you, and you beat that guy, you beat that guy to that bowl, you know? And, and, and I would just, you know, <laughs> in, in the future, let's, let's just make sure that we're, we're being proactive. You're not being a dick and you just do the right thing. I mean, honestly, just do the right yeah. thing and we yeah. wouldn't even be having this podcast right now. Man, you guys, you guys know how to ram at home. Um, <laughs> I told, I, I just don't look know. at my pronoun. Me... <laughs> 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 oh, the world! What what is the world coming to? But I, you know, just to just to kind of build off of what you guys were talking about there, uh, because because Garrett guy, like guys like you guys are my hero, and, and and the way that you can articulate things and simplify the obvious in in ways that is is like sometimes difficult for me. Uh, because I'm not, I'm not super smart, but I want people listening to understand that, like, I imagine it, paint this picture in your mind and uh, imagine if you will, the times as you've gone through and listened to this podcast episode and, and some of the stories we've shared and some of the highlights from last hunt, hunting season and, and talking about bugling bulls and big bucks and, you know, wandering bears, what, whatever. Imagine those those things in in your mind and the way that it might have made your heart beat a little bit faster and a little bit harder. And understand the passion within your soul as we talk about these things. Because you, if you're listening to it, are like us. We love this stuff. We live for it. This is this is what is in our soul. This is what we are made of, and this is how we identify the soul being of who we are. And imagine that that is gone and ripped away. If that and the experience going forward in your life and, and the lack of backbone to protect it, that your grandkids have to sit there and say that my grandparents didn't have the backbone to stand up and fight for it. Imagine what your life would be without it. And just think about that for a minute. Like what, what if there was no hunting season coming up in the year 2022? Imagine if there were no tags available. Imagine or that this was like Europe where you had to be a multimillionaire just to be able to go hunting. And it, that is not an option for you because that honestly, that wouldn't be an option for me. I'm not a millionaire. I'm certainly not a multimillionaire. And so imagine that like, you know, your connection with nature is just kind of one of those subpar experiences where it's you're removed from nature. You're no longer a hunter. You're removed from nature. You're removed from the wildlife in a sense that you're only a spectator, not a participant. This is a very important thing to think about. You're a spectator. You can go take pictures of that elk, but you can't participate in the wild nature that is elk. Yeah. Think of yellow or deer or bear. <laughs> Yeah, you can go to Yellowstone. 
Enjoy that stuff from a distance. And think about what your life would look out would look like without that experience and what with without that tag in your pocket. Whether you tag out or not, imagine your life without that experience. And every fall or every spring, whatever hunt you're looking forward to, that is gone. And then ask yourself, when you're thinking about those things, as as a passionate hunter, as a primal individual, ask yourself, what is your life without? What is your life without it? And ask yourself what you could have done differently. And most importantly, ask yourself, is it worth getting bent out of shape and arguing on social media and creating a ruck of, with, the, with the people that are supposed to be your family, your partners, your people? These are your people. And you want to create a ruckus because they choose a different fucking caliber to shoot. <laughs> right. and, and they're all of a sudden no longer your people. Uh, you know, right? So, so was that worth it to you? Was it worth railing on on the uh, the 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 trad bow guy versus the compound bow guy versus the uh, what's the other one we were talking about the six crossbow guy, guy. <laughs> what, what the six point five guy was it worth railing on the bait fisherman versus the fly fisherman was it worth railing on somebody wearing Sitka versus Scree gear versus Kuyu? Was it worth all of this divisiveness to create the ruckus that all these anti-hunting organizations live to see you do so that they can create a further divide so that you cannot experience what is your God-given right to be in the woods and experience these primal things that we have? This is our life. This is our livelihood. This is our lifestyle. And it's ours to protect and it's ours to lose. So that's what I want people to think about as, as we kind of close this episode out. And I'm uh, sorry, guys. I kind of went off on a rant there. But but this is important shit. And is that, yeah, is gotta, that the legacy you want to leave? It, it, that, was a, that was deep, man, because it had me thinking, like, what am I going to do without it? That's a, that's a scary thought, yeah. man. Uh, it's a scary thought. It was a great closer, it is a, brother. It is a scary thought. It is. It's a really scary is. thought. Guys. We we need to do this more often, guys. I I you guys I I'm I'm quite fond of both of you, um and and I think we uh, obviously uh, we, there's a lot to talk about. Like we we were supposed to focus mainly on non-residents tonight, but there's a lot to talk about on the ethics side and the, the etiquette side of hunting. And I, I think a lot of people fuck those things up because they just don't know. They haven't had the proper guidance on it, and it's not like we're all knowing. And, and we're, we're putting ourselves on some kind of moral high ground, but we, we can offer some insight and perspective that, that maybe they haven't heard because, you know, maybe grandpa didn't teach him how to hunt. Right. Right. Uh, would you guys want to do it again sometime? Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> Come, on. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. Let's get him. <laughs> Next time. Uh, again, I, I, I've said this a couple of times, but I'll have better internet for, for fuck's sakes. We're going to have Elon. better internet next time. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Elon. That, like, seriously, dude, my package for this this better internet is 20 minutes away in Ponderay, Idaho, sitting in a FedEx shop, and it hasn't been delivered because the FedEx folks are, like, on strike, and they forgot to renew their contract or something weird. So, Damn, anyway, so next time it'll it'll be better. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, and, and uh, it's always a good time to be on the on here with a guy and, and be able to share it with both of you at the same time, you know. Count me in. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, guys, I appreciate it. Um, uh, as always, uh, you guys, you guys are always a kick in the pants for me. I, I, I love having you guys on my show. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the, the, the feelings mutual and we will uh, keep this conversation going as we roll forward, guy. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about it. And uh, thanks again for coming on guys. Think about what we've talked about and, and put uh, what you believe in and, and what we've talked about. If you, if you agree with it, put it into action. Uh, let, let's see a change. Let's make a change happen. It's it's on us. It's on our shoulders. It's on nobody else. And, and the time is now. So thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening, folks. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.